Hi, and welcome to the Temple Podcast. My name is Edward Pike, and I'm here to help you remember the profound love and wisdom and power that you and that we are. The Temple Podcast is a place for exploring those various temples, the temples of our humanity, uh, of our homes, our bodies, our breath, our relationships, our practices, and even our businesses. In every episode, we focus on one individual, on their work, on their journey and their learnings, and to the practices, the habits that help them continue to be of profound service to the world. In this episode, I have a wonderful heart-to-heart with my dear friend Gary Albert Hughes, who is the music alchemist. Gary is a singer, a flutist, a pianist, and a composer. And he is also a mind-body therapist who supports people to liberate their self-expression using the transformational power and the magical power of sound, of music, of the voice, and singing. So the last time I really physically saw Gary when I moved away from London a few years ago, he was uh, still coaching people um, through his practice uh, called The Voice Coach. So as you'll hear in the podcast, since then he's been on this incredible journey um, to being of deeper, or ever deeper, ever more inspired, ever uh, more profound service to the people that um, he is here to be of service to. And so you'll see through the conversation beautiful nuggets of gold and wisdom. Um, for example, this very simple but profound practice that Gary teaches us to to allow in, to invite in more inspiration and expression into our lives. Gary also touches on the importance of self, self-care for our self-expression and why that can be so challenging for us. And we also... Um, really get an understanding of um, our innate um, power and the, the, the natural self-expression, um, the natural power of our self-expression that we are born, literally born with. So as you'll see in the episode, Gary is always super authentic and vulnerable and full of profound and yet practical wisdom for you to enjoy. I really really enjoy this conversation and I know it will strike a chord amongst many of you. But before you dive into the episode, I just wanted to plant a seed and to invite you to become uh, a temple member. So we have four tiers that you can choose from and um, you can do so from as little as one dollar a month. And what does this gives you? Well, it allows you access to bonus content, to regular uh, practice and recordings that we upload to the member section to an online community platform in which uh, we engage and we share and we we connect and even to monthly online member circles which are 90 minute uh, sessions in which we share and also run through an experiential which is sometimes some meditation some body work even some sound therapy so if this pulls at your curiosity you can go to www.thetemple.love slash membership to find out more so for now i introduce you to gary albert hughes the music alchemist enjoy the podcast
We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich and can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful. So, hello, Gary. Hello. Hello, Ed. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Hi, so good to see you again. It's been such a long time. Yeah, yeah, we've got a lot of catching up to do. Exactly. What's going on now for me is is way different than back in the day when I don't know if you. Well, you probably do remember when you were in my little voice workshop. Oh my god, when was that, listeners? Years ago, yes. Many many years ago. Yeah. Ed still the voice coach then. Yeah, Ed was in one of my workshops, in one of my very first ever workshops um, as a singer. And he has a lovely voice, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) So you've been on such a journey since then, like um, professionally, I mean, personally and professionally, of course, they're so intertwined. So, I mean, of course, there's so much just to speak of, but I would love you to, to share with me and share with the listeners, like, what what you do now and what's led you to doing that now what triggered it what moved you and how are you of service to people goodness me it is such a topsy-turvy intertwined crazy path so i will try my best to channel and funnel it down to something simple but basically when i first met you ed many many moons ago i was a technical vocal coach So I was supporting singers from the West End and pop singers to use their voice in a better way, but from a very technical perspective. I was a traditional singing coach, Mm -hmm. vocal coach, whatever you want to call it. And I really enjoyed my work. And, you know, as a professional singer myself, I trained professionally at the Royal Academy of Music and I trained in physiology of the voice. And it was all very fascinating. And... I was getting some decent results with my clients, but I kind of always felt that throughout that time, there was something kind of fundamental missing. I never was able to put my finger on it because I didn't know then what I know now about spirituality and energy and the connection, the deeper connection between the voice and our self-development and music and sound. And that has been very much a journey of self-discovery in my own life and then transferring that over to supporting other people. But this feeling of something always being missing in that world of kind of technical vocal coaching began to become more and more apparent as the results that I wanted to get with people were not available to me. Mm. It wasn't just about singing high notes. It wasn't just about controlling the breath better it was something a lot more deeper and fundamental to what it means to actually be a human being in this world much more emotional much more spiritual much more energetic and I found myself very naturally starting to just talk about you know what was going on inside of them emotionally energetically what was happening in their lives away from singing away from their careers and really starting to become I guess more of a therapist or a 
kind of a life coach in that sense of looking beneath the surface, looking underneath what's fueling a specific problem or issue with somebody rather than just viewing them as a machine mm. with parts that need to function better, which is how most vocal coaches are functioning, which, by the way, I have nothing against. I, you know, that's the world that I come from, and it's really important, but it's just something that I was losing interest in. And I noticed... I was working with one student one day and he was singing Listen from Dreamgirls by Beyonce. I always encourage my students to sing, sing a diva number to really bring them out of their shells and into yes. their hearts. And um, he was having this um, trouble with one particular lyric. He just kept forgetting, um, I'm more than what you made of me. Now, what's the lyrics? I, I just... Um, I'm more than what you made of me. I discovered the voice you thought you gave to me. That lyric. And he kept stumbling upon the lyrics. And now usually I'd work with somebody and look at your acting intentions and, you know, what's going on with the character and all of that classic stuff that you'd learn with a singing teacher or an acting coach. But something inside of me stopped him. And I did this process, which I'd never done before. It was just kind of coming out of seemingly nowhere. And I just said, hey, stop, just stop right there. And I said, just speak that lyric out loud, just speak it. And I want you to close your eyes and I want you to go inside and I want you just to tell me what you see, what you feel, what you experience. Maybe there's an image from the past that you see or a memory or an emotion. And at that point, Ed, I had no experience of, you know, you know, I subsequently trained as a therapist and somatic psychotherapy and um, hypnotherapy. So that came later. But at this point, I had no reference of yeah. kind of what I was really doing. And I was just following, following the guidance. And he read the lyric, um, I'm more than what you made of me, discovered the voice you thought you gave to me. And he burst into tears and he had this huge memory of of being a child and his parents constantly making comments about his voice, telling him he needed to change the way that he spoke, that his voice was too high pitched and that he's, you know, and constantly berating him and judging him and criticizing him. And he really had never thought about this in his adult life, but that lyric is specifically about the voice, mm. not just your physical voice, but about the voice of who you are, your creative voice, yeah. right? And that's the lyric that he kept stumbling up on time and time again. He couldn't get the lyric out. So it wasn't that his acting intention was wrong or that he had something technical going wrong. There was a really deep, energetic and spiritual healing that needed to occur around something really intrinsic inside of him. Yeah. And in that moment, something opened, something transmuted and he sang in a voice that was so shocking to me because it was so different to how he sounded before and so shocking to him that we burst into tears. And he said in that moment, that is the voice I've always imagined that I wanted to singing. Mm. And it was one of those mind-blowing moments where everything changed for me. Absolutely. Yeah. I was like, this is what I'm supposed to be... This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Like... And so, of course, I was like, oh, what do I do with this? Where do I begin? Like, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a coach. I, you know, I don't really have the rights or the qualifications or the kind of backing to do this deep emotional work with people. Yeah. 
So I decided to go and train. I train I've trained in loads of things, as I'm sure loads of people that you've um, interviewed have done, because we just have that hunger for knowledge and wisdom. So I've trained as a hypnotherapist, a rapid transformational therapist, a somatic mind-body therapist, which is steeped in somatic psychotherapy, a kinesiologist, energy medicine, and... Um, have been on my own healing journey with all of that stuff. I suffered from stage fright many years ago and uh, a therapist cured me in two sessions. Um, so that sparked a, a fascination yeah. with mind-body connection as well. So all of these experiences throughout my life have kind of been guiding me, kind of like the next stepping stone, if you like. And I can sit here with you now and kind of look back and I can just see the divine jigsaw puzzle, mm, all yeah, the different perfect. pieces where I felt confused and lost. And is this what I am? Is that what I'm supposed mm. to do? You know, and now I'm bringing it all together. And of course, I've got the rest of my life to to continue exploring and, and putting it all together. But so where am I now? Well, yeah. I'm bringing everything full circle. I trained as a singer, a flautist, a pianist and a composer. Um, as I said, as a therapist, I've had a career in musical theatre as a classical musician. Then I worked as a therapist and a coach. And now I'm bringing it all together. And I'd say that I call myself the music alchemist, by the way. I love the word alchemy. Yes. I love the, the transmutation, transformational mm. element. Yeah. So I've created something called somatic singing therapy and the music alchemy matrix, which are basically tools to support psycho-spiritual growth healing and development using the transformational power of sound, music, voice and singing. So I'm bringing all of the therapeutic stuff and all of my music stuff together yeah. and I'm creating my own, my own thing. Yeah, yeah. So I hope I wasn't rambling on too much. That, that's as simple as I could make the story and still there's so much more to it as well. Yeah, I'm sure. So how, how long did that take you? How many years has that been, that journey? So I, my musical journey began when I was 12 years old. I started learning the flute and the piano at school. Um, then I remember being a kid and becoming obsessed with music really, really quickly. I used to go into school an hour early every morning for five years to practice. And so obviously with that amount of practice and work, I got quite proficient quite quickly. Yeah. And I went on to get a scholarship to um, a classical music school called the Purcell School of Music. Now, I come from a working class background. I grew up on a rough estate in Walthamstow. So my mum calls me the Billy Elliot of the flute and the piano. <laughs> because, you know, being where I come from, I was not supposed to go and kind of be at this kind of private Hogwarts for classical musicians. Like, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Um, then I went and got a scholarship to the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. And then I left there when I was 21, 22 having lost actually my passion for music at that point and I went off and kind of went a bit crazy as most people do that age partied and you know did all that kind of stuff and then a few years later got into my kind of singing and then vocal coaching and went back to retrain at the Royal Academy of Music as a singer that I was about 28 years old when I did that I'm 30 uh, I was about 26 years old when I did that I'm 36 now so I'd say this part of my journey, my big transformation has been the last 10 years. Mm. Obviously my whole life, but really the significant journey to where I am now is, I'd say, the last 10 years. Mm. When, do you, when was the, um, the moment that you started, to, when you said you recognised that this is what I want to be doing, this is what I want to train in? How, how long ago was that? 
that I would say was about eight years ago. Okay. So it was two years after I'd been vocal coaching and yeah. teaching singing from a technical aspect. And I think that moment that I talked about earlier with that student was a real answer to a prayer because I was quite frustrated. Um, I really felt that I wasn't impacting people in the, in, or being of service in the way that I really, really felt in my heart that I knew that I could be, mm. just with the limitations of, of what I knew, really. And so I guess I was really praying or putting out some kind of intention to show me another way, like how do I, how do I not just teach people to sing high notes? Well, like that, that for me is, is it's kind of, it's fun, but it's not fascinating and it's not interesting. Um, and so I can't remember your question. (laughs) Those of you, those of you who are listening will have gathered by now, my mind runs at a million miles an hour. (laughs) It it doesn't matter because what you said there was just so juicy and mm. frowned and I mean I've had that experience and I I know many others that have that moment of like of not knowing and of being and of like asking for help and support and then the aunt you know the answer the shift happens maybe straight away maybe down the line but it's a really profound moment that you went through and you know what those moments are still happening yeah of course yeah like literally just this week yeah And now I know the power of prayer. I'm a massive fan of prayer. Mm. And I do pray to God. I wouldn't say it's the the Christian God. I would say it's the religious God, the spiritual God, the the everything, the source, the beloved, whatever you want to call it. Um, And I still pray every day. And even this week, I've had a huge shift and a huge synchronistic happening that is opening the next huge phase of what I'm here to do. And I really feel that even just this week, this week I've discovered the next phase of my soul's purpose, which is to compose music as a tool for healing Mm. those for anyone who's ready for it. And what's interesting, Ed, is that I haven't composed any music for many, many years. Yeah. I used to compose music. I used to sit at the piano and write songs and compose orchestral scores. And I very much kind of kept that secret to myself, kept it very private in a way, apart from a few things here and there. And again, just recently, just like that story I told you earlier, I felt this, this lack, this, this um, space that's not being filled in my life. And, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm a coach, I'm a therapist, I'm being of service, I'm supporting, I'm, I'm supporting people. Like, why do I still feel like there's, there's something more? Mm. And so I prayed about it. I said, you know, guide me with the light of your love. Show me with the grace of your wisdom. What am I supposed to be doing? And it just erupted. Yeah. It was shown to me in this flashbulb this lightning flash of a moment i was in the shower and the words music alchemy matrix just (laughs) dropped into my head you are to create the music alchemy matrix i'm like huh what what's what what that one minute what's that it's a collection of music it's a collection of songs that are be to be used as a tool for psycho spiritual growth healing and development uh, for those on a spiritual or transformational healing journey Okay, so I'm just like trying to keep up with this kind of voice that's talking in my head. Um, And that's just happened this week. And 
in a meditation, I had this huge vision of me performing my music and my songs at kind of these big healing festivals and healing events. And I came out of this vision and the instant feeling I had was disappointment because I don't know how to use music technology to kind of make that happen in the way that I think it needs to happen. So I was like, okay, let's surrender it up, let it go. I'm sure I've been shown this vision for a reason. I'm not going to be shown anything that I'm not able to fulfill. And then that very day, I saw this post on Instagram by this woman called Laura Eskide, and she supports innovative musicians who are heart-centered and on a spiritual path to, to create their vision of music performance for the betterment of humanity. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, what the F? Like, you can't even make this up. It's like, I didn't even know someone like that existed. Exactly. Contacted her. Her program entry was closing that day, which is just a few days ago. And I jumped in. There was one place left and one scholarship left. Amazing. Who got it? Yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like she literally is going to teach me how to do what it is that wow. I now need to do to make that vision a reality. Right. It's, it's like some cheesy TV film script that, like, if you were watching that, you'd be like, oh, come on. Exactly. Like, that's too easy. Yeah, it's just so <laughs> obvious. And so this, you know, this power of... of um, I came up with a formula recently because I was, I was kind of pondering upon what inspiration is because... You know, have these moments of inspiration, like that music alchemy thing coming to me in the, in the shower, and you're like, what, where, what, how, what, what is that? Where did that come from? Why has that come to me now? What are the components that lead up to creating a moment like that? And I was pondering upon it on, on my dog walk the other morning, and I came up with this um, formula. It's, it's your past experience plus intention plus surrender to divine guidance mm -hmm. that equals inspiration that again one more time so it's your past experience yeah. plus intention plus surrender to divine guidance mm. so if i just break that up your past experience would be everything you've seen felt heard and experienced your education all your practice your music practice your learning all the books that you've read everything everything that's in stored inside of you that endless well of everything that yeah. that you've ever experienced so that's your part to play right that's the that's the you piece then you just have to have the intention to be open to inspiration and creativity you know you've got to really want it you've got to be like calling it in mm. you know like i really want to be of service yeah, exactly. i want to use my creativity and inspiration as a way to either better my own life or the lives of others so you know pray like use me use me as a conduit for your inspiration for your love for your creativity mm. so that's the that's the kind of intention part and then the last part the surrender to divine guidance or intervention that's the magical, mystical piece that we just are never going to really be able to work out. It's the moment that God just goes, boom, there you go, honey. <laughs> there it is. Now do something with in it. Like, harvest it yeah. in the shower. 
on you know and you know it always happens in those moments where you you're totally you've totally let go and you're not thinking about anything and you're being a bit mindless really mm. you know thomas edison who created the who created electricity he was fishing when he when he was hit with the inspiration for the electric light bulb yeah and and many many inventors many many innovators throughout history will t- will say that it came to me in a moment where i wasn't even trying i had com- i was doing something completely mindless yeah, washing nice. the dishes having a shower fishing you know whatever and so i love that there's this there's this there's this three part approach that it's totally to do with me yeah and it's totally to do with not me yeah and i find that most people are like in one camp or the other like it's 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 totally god everything is god nothing's me i'm just i'm just an empty channel i actually don't resonate with that completely you know because that takes me out of the equation all of my experience and my hard work like i learned to play the piano i practiced the piano i did my scales i got up an hour early every morning so there there is that part of me which actually is the ego you know i think the ego gets a bad rap but my ego fueled me to practice the piano. Yeah. My ego was the part of me that 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 played the scales, that wanted to be good, that wanted to be better. Yeah. And so I think the ego gets a little bit of a hard time in that sense. Um Yeah. And uh yeah, so that's my little my little um kind of musing upon inspiration. Again, cannot remember the initial question <laughs> <laughs> me neither don't worry <laughs> that's really lovely to yeah to, to hear you speak on that and to that yeah really and it kind of brings up another question for me which is um this idea of of temples which is something that i'm weaving into this podcast i guess and the idea of you know being of service and being a singer and you know what what is what are your practices what are you what is your temple you know your home of course your yeah what what do you do to, to as much as possible maintain yourself in that space of of connection oh ed oh eddie 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 this brings up a lot of stuff for me this okay. this um this topic and it is something that is very prevalent for me in this exact moment because it's something I struggle with I'll be honest um I know that you've had Neo Hart on for one of your interviews who as you know is actually my ex-partner who is now my best friend soulmate and who is actually supporting me in this process of opening as I begin to really commit to my creativity to deepening my creativity and anyone that hasn't listened to that interview please go and listen to it he's incredible and He's at the center of what he teaches is this um, this commitment to care for the temple, mm. care for the mind and the body, the heart, soul and the spirit. And he would have told you about his um, um, formula around a equals x minus b and all. And I, I, I'm not going to be able to go into it because it's, it's his thing. But this holding of the energy of creative energy in the body and then expressing it is probably the most important skill that I'm going to learn in my life. 
And I don't have it down as I speak to you right now. I really struggle with this. Every part of me wants to siphon off my energy through watching, binge watching Netflix, binge, binging on, you know, shopping, wanting to av- avoid. And at the same time, I effing love what I do. Yeah. Like, it's the best thing. And so it's this really interesting thing of then why do I find it so challenging to actually do the things that would support that? Mm. You know, getting up, doing my Qigong, doing the Tai Chi, doing my free flow movement practice, eating the most exquisite nourishing food that I could possibly make for myself. Um, You know, meditation, all all of the things that we know support us to be in a completely amazing space to create mm. why is that so challenging why is that it, it's like i think it's so many things i think it's conditioning and upbringing i just wasn't taught to look after myself i grew up in a very poor environment so we had to eat the cheapest quickest food which wasn't the healthiest and I just don't think society or the school system... I went to a great school, by the way, so actually I was supported in my creativity. But just in terms of what school is generally like, you're taught just to follow the status quo. Like, you're, you're taught to do the same thing as everybody else. And if you do it differently, then you got it wrong, basically. So there's so much, there's so much that's been put into us and given to us that really it's our job to unravel it all and heal it all and transmute it all. Um, I think it's, I think, you know, if I'm honest, it's laziness. It's like, I'll do it tomorrow, you know, or I'll do it later. Um, and then obviously, you know, that the, the damaging part of the ego is that it wants you to stay small. It doesn't want you to thrive. It doesn't want you to be the best, most, creative version of yourself because then you know the ego has less and less work to do so obviously that that's coming into play and i think i've got a pretty big well-practiced ego (laughs) that you know that through my commitment to my spiritual path i'm 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 working on and sometimes it's stronger than others and but yeah i'm in this process of discovering how to be with my temple Mm. and how to um how to treat it like a temple so i did a session with neo Hart a couple of weeks ago i worked with his femba oracle um yeah. exquisite masterpiece and it really got me connected to my heart's voice and the wisdom that came up that i needed to know for this very topic that we're talking about it was the words just came rising up from within me it was treat your mind and body as if they are the greatest, as if they are great. Treat your mind and body as if they are great. And, you know, we went on to take it a bit further, as if you have the greatest guest coming over you can imagine. Like, if I had Michelle Obama or Oprah or, like, my favourite spiritual teacher over to stay for a week, what would I cook them? Where would I take them? What would Mm. I do with them? What would I have planned in the diary? Mm, You know, do that stuff for me. Like, I'm my greatest guest, you know? Because I'm with me 100% of the time. And so it's like, you know, don't just, don't, don't eat the quickest, cheapest, easiest thing. I mean, you can make something quick and cheap and it can be exquisite, of course. But, you know, do that for yourself. And, and I think it's a lifelong, daily 
challenge and a mm. daily practice. Mm. And I think, you know, um, as you all know, I have a very fast moving mind and um, very kind of cr- creative thinking. And I, and I put a lot of pressure on myself to get through the list of, in quotes, self-care things that need to be gotten through in order for me to be a good spiritual person. <laughs> and it's overwhelming. And I set myself up for failure. Yeah. Because as soon as it goes on a list of things that you need to do, mm. it becomes like everything else has ever been in life. Schoolwork, you know? Um, and so what I'm discovering is that these self-care practices... I'm starting to feel that I'm starting to do them because they, I just love them. Yeah. And, and I'm not doing the things that don't bring me joy doing them. So do you know what? Meditation, sitting for 20 minutes twice a day, does not resonate with me. There, I said it. So <laughs> sue me. What I found resonates with me is going out to my local forest, my, the marshes in Hackney, and doing a movement Um, a free flow movement meditation that brings me the most exquisite feeling of joy and it, and it makes me want to do it. Yeah. Maybe I'm going to do meditation in the future, but I have tried for years and years and years and I just can't connect with it right now. Yeah. That's so good to say that Gary. And it's thank you for being so candid in what you're sharing because I know I resonate with what you're saying. I know many people would resonate with that. There's so much pressure in us being, well, doing meditation. Yeah, as you say, there's a list of things that, I mean, I won't say we, I'll speak for myself. There's a list of things that a part of me believes it should be doing in order to, in order to feel a certain way, be a certain way, get something. When really, I'm, I'm, for meditation, I'm very similar to you. I have wonderful meditations when I, when I, when I feel like doing them and yet other days same to you I just feel like I'm getting up and dancing or moving my body or doing something completely different which gets me into a, a very similar state of peace and presence and connection yeah and, and I think it's so important to really feel into what is it that sparks a light in me not what is on the list of other things that other good spiritual people do. Yes, exactly. Like what sparks a light in me? Yeah. And um, you know what my morning ritual is now? You know, it's so simple because I have struggled with like, oh, no, I need to get up at 5 a.m. Yes. and be the yes, person exactly. that rises with the sunrise exactly. and do all the go things. Sh- and do- Go straight to your, my yoga mat and do 20 minutes of this yeah. and then do this and this and this, yeah. Exactly. For years and years, I've tried to be that person. I can't do it. I don't like it. I don't feel good waking up that early. I feel sick. (laughs) (laughs) So I've I've worked out that 8 a.m. is the time that I feel really good waking up. Right. And I set my alarm for 7 a.m. But I and I trick myself into feeling like I've had that lie in that I so just find so delicious. So I set my alarm for seven and then for eight. I get straight up at eight. Okay, and you know what my my morning temple nourishing practice is? I make a cup of tea. Yep, black tea with caffeine in it and one coconut sugar, a dash of oat milk, and I sit on my sofa and I drink that tea, and that is my morning ritual i love it it brings it sparks a light in me i love it so much 
I've tried getting up, going to the yoga mat, getting up, doing my breathing, getting up at 5am, doing a celery juice, waiting 20 minutes, doing lemon water, waiting 20 minutes, doing another juice and, oh, this practice, that practice, going for a jog. I don't like it. It doesn't, it stresses me out. (laughs) And so I sit now with a cup of tea. Mm. then I have a shower I take my dogs out for a beautiful walk and then I come back and I and I feel into what feels good for me to do Mm. and that might be sitting at my piano composing a piece of music alchemy and still you know I'm learning it's like there are other things that I really do feel I would be good for me to explore bringing as a more regular practice and so the other interesting point of what we're talking about is the discipline element. So, of course, you can't just be totally free-flowing and just do whatever the hell you want whenever you want and all is well. It's like, no, 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 no. There are some things that you just have to do, mm. okay? And physical movement, exercise, or some kind of physical movement expression, I think it's essential. Like, yeah. And again, it's another thing that I resist and that is difficult for me even though I love it I love doing my dance you know my ecstatic dance just days go past where I didn't do it and that's the piece that's the that's the point where okay just pure discipline needs to come in now it's like Mm. you just have to do it because it is essential to the health and well-being of your mind body heart soul and spirit and so so there's that element which I think is the counter to what I was saying before which is like, oh, I don't want to do things that I don't want to do and they don't work for me. But then there are some things that are essential mm. and you have to bring in that discipline and get them done and experience the joy of doing it as well. So it's a minefield, Ed. It's like, you know, and it's so personal and unique to everyone. Mm. You know, some people love getting up and going to the gym at 6 a.m. and they thrive on it. Yeah. And that's amazing for, yeah. for those people. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, it's, 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 really it's a challenging to topic. Yeah, it is, and, and and in a sense, what you're also saying is there's it's, it's called the temple. We, we call it you know, the temple, meaning of course everything that is our, our practice or our, the ways in which we stay connected, and it can be, as you say, it can be very disciplined and structured, and maybe parts of our life that's what we need. And it can be also mm. at the same time be a question of checking in with ourselves. What do we actually need in this moment? Like there's no, there's no code or there's no rules for it. This is both at the same time. But with, in my experience, with the practice of connecting to or staying, being in our hearts, being more and more connected to the life, the love that we are, we kind of automatically start to kind of, uh, kind of navigate towards what can be open and what can what needs to be more structured is that, is that your experience as well yeah absolutely and i think it's, it's a really beautiful word temple and i'm so i just feel there's such a there's such a magical energy about that word and it's you know you think about what a temple is it's sacred yes you know yes. and it's like okay if if i were taking care of a of an actual temple you know how would i treat it i would treat it with such deep reverence and respect and love and care yeah you know i would clean it 
I would make sure it was safe. I would make sure the basic needs were met, you know, that the metal and the brick were treated so that they wouldn't decay. And it's the same for the body. You know, and I think so many spiritual types and creatives and artists find it very difficult to look after their basic needs, mm. which is getting that rent paid, getting your bills paid. You know, the, the earthly plane stuff yeah. that we're like, oh, I'm not here to deal with that stuff. <laughs> yes. I'm here to heal and create and do magic and, yeah. you know, be inspirational. Save the world. But actually... And to save the world. But actually, you know, what I've learned is that the small stuff, paying the bills, paying the rent, getting that, that stock, um, that fridge stocked up with nourishing foods, that is spiritual. Paying your credit card bills, paying your phone bill, you know, not just leaving it up to the universe yeah. to look after you but yeah. look look after it yourself and and that stuff is spiritual because that's the stuff that enables me to do my better work to do to live my purpose i feel safe when my rent's paid yeah. i feel safe when my phone bill's paid and i can use the internet to you know communicate with people and go on and be inspirational and on facebook live or wherever it is um Anyway, I'm not saying I've got that down, by the way. I'm saying that's the process, again, that I'm always kind of going through, that I'm learning. But there is this feeling, isn't there, among the spiritual community of all is well and just trust and just surrender, which, of course, is important. But you, you can't surrender everything. There are, there are things you have to do, and there are basic needs that you need to get met <clears throat> in order just to feel safe to surrender. <laughs> like if my rent's due tomorrow and I don't have it, I don't feel safe surrendering because I'm like, I gotta pay the rent. So, um, so this 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 um, this temple metaphor, this temple idea, it's you know, get the basic needs of the temple met first. Because the temple exists, the temple is built. Like yeah. I've yeah. got I've got the pillars, the bones, the muscles of the temple. So yeah. my job is really my job to be the caretaker for the temple. And um, I think it's a beautiful metaphor. Where did that come from? Oh, the temple, well, it, it starts off as a, a membership group for clients two and a half years ago. And the name just dropped in the temple. And I was, Moment of inspiration. Yeah, moment of inspiration. And kind of always like, questioned it subtly. And then, and then, you know, received the kind of the vision for the expanded website and and the podcast and the blog and it was really clear it was still the temple and and only now through these conversations like especially one like one i'm having with you is it kind of making more sense you know it started off as this impulse and now it's kind of oh this is you know it's it's all about service but it's also all about how we're saying you know how can we be of of more profound and deeper and more loving service to to others to the world mm. which really starts with as you're saying looking after the temple of the self or the temple, mm. you know, the temple of our community, the temple of our home, the temple of our, you know, you have, you have animals, so, you, you know, your pets, all of that is, it's all connected. It's all love. Mm. And, and I had another interesting thought about what you said about kind of discipline earlier and kind of getting the things done that need to be done. Um, we will all have our different kind of skills and the, and the different things that we're good at. So, for example, 
I have very little discipline. I'm, I have an abundance of free flow, like creativity, inspiration, ideas, vision, being a visionary, having visions and all of that stuff. I don't have any issue with that. I'm like literally an open conduit for all of that stuff. But the discipline required to actually execute all of that creativity and inspiration and, um, and abundance of ideas, that is the biggest struggle of my life. I have got reams and reams and reams of music paper with beautiful ideas, melodies, these half written songs oh you know half you know half ideas of books of courses that I want to create all amazing ideas and the discipline to execute and to do things and finish them through and see them through is something I'm really really learning the art of Mm. as literally as we speak and it goes back to the temple it's like don't leave half-finished sculptures and statues or altars in the temple because then it's not a temple. It's a collection of... Mm, half-finished things. Things. Yeah. Half-finished things. If you are the caretaker of a temple, you build that altar and you finish it and you put your heart and soul into it. You build the pulpit. That's more of a church thing, but you know what? You get the idea. Yes. You know, you, you create the pillars, you make sure the doors lock, you, you create the parts, the pieces of it, and you see it through to the end. You keep your word. And so keeping, keeping my word is something I'm really wanting to commit to now and, and develop that discipline. But it is when, when you're used to being so free flow and, and things just like happening and being in, in the flow of it, you can't live like that. Mm. You can't live your whole life like that. You've got to have structure and discipline to balance it. Yeah. Because being just free flow, you don't get anything done. No. And, and, it's, and, and actually, it's quite selfish. Because then the healing, powerful, transformational work that I've got to offer doesn't get received by anybody. You know, nobody experiences it. Now, I'm not saying I've never finished anything in my life. There's loads of things that I've completed and finished and, and done and put out. But... But there are loads of things I haven't, and I'm not usually one to have a regret, but I think probably if I had one, it would be that there are so many unfinished things that could have been so impactful for other people and could have been of such service. Yeah. And, and it's, I think it's selfish to withhold that from the world. And I think that that's a really good, um, a really good push or a really good um, galvanization yeah. to start to get things done. Like... Yeah. This can help people. What I do is is transformational. The music that I write, the the voice, sound, music work that I do with clients, <clears throat> the transformations that have happened with clients over the years has been phenomenal. And I want to make it bigger. I want to make it better. But that will require discipline yeah. and structure. Yeah. And so that's pushing me to my edge right now. Yeah. And part of that is, is absolutely... Um, having such reverence for the temple of my body, my environment, my home, my community, as you say, the wider planet. It's a metaphor that you can just go on and on yeah, and on exactly. with. And <laughs> for me, the temple is, is love. And that, you know, it's when we bring, as you said, that sacredness that you'd bring to a temple, because it helps us to see a physical temple. Like we understand the reverence and the sacredness 
that we're going to bring, you know, and the love that when the care that we're going to bring to it. But then if you expand like the temple for, you know, everything that, it, that we are and everything that we live, then it's, um, it really is this the act of love and care and yeah, love, like the simplicity of just love, mm. purity of it, of, of having that Well, this is another, and, yeah. Yeah, this is another uh, interesting, because I talk a lot about spirituality and I like to be, I like to be a little bit of a myth buster around spiritual, spirituality and spiritual concepts. Uh, you know, like things like, you know, just things we throw around like, oh, all is well. And it's like, mm, actually, it's not right now. There's a virus sweeping the planet. And maybe in the grand scheme of the whole entire cosmos, all is well. But in our individual lives, there's some shit that ain't well. Yeah. And we've got to do something about it. So, you know, all is well can just make you so passive. Yeah, exactly. And actually, that's, that, that's not... That's not spiritual at all. For me, being a spiritual person is about being an activist, about yeah. being active, yeah. a, a, about, you know, a, about wanting change and, and being a, an active part of that. It's not just about sitting in meditation with, you know, mudras and namastes and just saying all is well. You know, that is important, but, you know, it's not... I think it, it can be a, a, a dangerous place for the ego to reside. Yeah. So what I was going to say about, about self-love and, and love, again, it's one of those things that we can get, that I hear a lot of people being a bit wishy-washy about. Oh, it's all love. And it's, and, but we have to like, figure out what that actually means for us individually. Like, so that's going to be different for you, different for me, different for all the listeners. And this is something I learned from Adya Shanti, who's one of my absolute favorite spiritual teachers. I'm on an online retreat with him at the moment. And in the first session, he's like, look, why are you spiritual? Like, what is it about spiritual, about a spiritual path that you are kind of called to? And I was, and I was like, I don't actually know. Like, that's a really good question. Like, why am I even on a spiritual path? And he's like, you have to know, <laughs> like, what it is that you are doing it for. He calls it the one thing. What's the one thing that you want from this? And of course, all of us are on a path of awakening and enlightenment. But, you know, that's kind of out of my hands. I don't know. I don't know if, if I ever will awaken or become enlightened. And it's kind of out of my hands in a way. Um, and so this, this concept of love, of course, there's a higher truth. But we, you don't get that until you get it. And who knows if we ever get it, but going a bit of a down a rabbit hole now, but you know, this, this idea of, of it's all love, we have to really know what that means for us inside our own body, inside our own mind, inside our own heart. Um, and so I'd say for me that, that, that concept, it's, it's about not only myself, but other people and the environment around me and really, really, learning about the worthiness of others mm. i think creators and artists can get very self-involved and self-absorbed it's about my music my creativity or my spirituality my spiritual path my awakening my enlightenment my this my that and and i have definitely felt in my own life kind of disconnecting in a way yeah from the outside of me and actually, I want to connect more deeply to the outside of me. So this kind of like the concept of love is, is, is about that. But again, 
you know, I invite all the listeners to kind of really contemplate. And it's not an answer that you just kind of go, oh, I, I get it. I'm constantly exploring, like, what is it? What is love? What is that kind of deeper, richer, prof- more profound concept of love? Because it's not like, oh, I love you. Mm-hmm. Like, I appreciate you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we are. We are love. We are the children of source. We are the, ex- we are the creative expression of God. And that is love. That's what love means to me. But um, yeah, I love I love digging into these kind of these <laughs> these general concepts that that us spiritual types talk about. Like, what is it for you, Will? What does like what's the love concept for you? When I, well, I had this really amazing, amazing, amazing journey a couple of months ago in a in a plant medicine ceremony, where the whole two nights, and I and now it's just present in me. It was really really clear how everything is source is love and everything mm. that seems that might seem even so different or opposite it just at the end of the day goes back to what it always was which is love and it's not this romantic ideal of love that we've been sold by whatever movies and uh, mm. tv shows and you know even many songs it's 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 just love and it's pure love and it's 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 not codependent. It is clear. It uh, it is sovereign. It is something that just 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 is. So it's it's mm-hmm. it is hard to explain because it just is something that needs to be experienced from within. So mm. you can't explain love. You're just you're just something that you feel. I think everyone feels it at some point, and then because of you know us the stories, the images that we have from you know our past experiences, our lives, our conditioning. It, get, it gets lost and when we start to see through that and drop into that space of, of, of actually, you know, sensing it, feeling it, knowing it, doesn't mean that you're going to be operating from that space 24-7, we're still a human, but mm. there's more, you get to see it more, get to, get to taste it more. Um, that's my experience of it. And that's for me, that's what the temple is, you know, not, not this podcast, but the temple in general, that's what the temple of our life is, 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 is pouring, expanding love, expanding love. For me, that's what our, our purpose is. If we drill it down to the, 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 the purest essence is expanding love. So mm-hmm. how do we expand love in our self-care, in our work, in our relationships, in our home, you know, in our creativity, how can we expand love? Because we can expand many things and even our creativity, we can expand, you know, we can expand fear, we can expand horror or terror, we can expand these things, we are creative beings. What happens when we come from that center? We choose to expand love, right? Which leads, I think, quite beautifully back to your work. I, I really have this question in me about the voice, the temple of the voice and, and, and mm. this expansion of love that people get through working with you, for example, through, I don't know what to call it, so you have to correct my words, through unblocking the voice, through, yeah. Can you share some about that? Yeah, I'm still working out what it is that I do, yeah. like, to be honest. Like I've done all these like masterminds and marketing coaching programs for coaches and yeah. you know niching down and getting your elevator pitch and getting like your benefits and what pain are you helping people with and yeah, yeah. like 
Oh, no. I don't like. I don't know. It's an ongoing it's magic. exploration, you know. And yes, of course, it helps you to get more clients and work with people to really be specific. But it kind of goes against what what is happening, which is an emerging of the unknown, you know. So yes, of course, I try to kind of get get my marketing down and stuff like what I do. But I'd say. In essence, what it is that I do is that I support people to express themselves more fully, completely and deeply through the transformational power of sound, music, voice and singing. It all comes back to self-expression. Yeah. And I think self-expression... It's different to creativity. It's different to what Neo Hart talks about with creativity... My thing is self-expression. And, of course, they're linked and they fuel each other and everything you could say is creativity or self-expression. But self-expression, I think, is the thing that has been shut down in every human being. Mm. You know? And when when you are born, you are born singing, shouting and hollering to the world here i am i think it's like one in 10 million babies is born silent it's like a special thing they're born not making any sound so basically almost every human being is born crying singing shouting and i call it the um the celebration song of your arrival yes that glorious sound wow like listen to me i mean there's no better way to say look at me listen to me i'm here here. (laughs) you know and um and also on an interesting note when you study on a physical physiological level the baby cry it is the perfect um most healthy belting sound that you can make belting is like the high shouting musical theater sound that everyone is trying to kind of master well the baby cry is the has the perfect ingredients for that exact sound in singing right so it's really interesting you're born knowing everything you need to know how to sing and make sound you when you're born as a baby you know how to use pitch volume melody and inflection to activate a gland in your mother's brain to make sure that she better give you what you need (laughs) (laughs) food love care affection attention yeah and you think about a baby like they don't give a hoot they're like i want it and i want it now they are so worthy they are so confident they are so connected to their own worthiness of their needs getting met and they do it through the power of their voice Mm. that's all they have the power of their voice to get their needs met but almost from day one what happens is the world around you wants you to shut up shut up basically nobody really appreciates the sound of a baby cry least of all your parents probably who hear it most of the time and so what you get almost from the offset is oh don't cry oh let's try to stop you know basically your self-expression is being curtailed from the very first moment almost 
And then what it turns into as we get older is children should be seen and not heard. Pipe down, hush, don't answer back, speak when spoken to. And the message that we receive through all of that is what I think doesn't matter, what I feel isn't important, which turns into I don't matter, I'm not important. And it's all to do with self-expression, it's all to do with the voice. Think about, you know, these, these common phrases, oh, she loves the sound of her own voice. Hmm. You know, which is some, like something my nan would have said about mm-hmm. the neighbour. Um, or like pipe down. It's, it's all to do with this volume, this kind of musical, this music type language. And we use a lot of, of, of music language, like resonate. Oh, no, I don't resonate with that. Well, resonate, resonate is, is a musical terminology. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, we, we, um, I really sung, she really sung my praises. Yeah, it's nothing to do with singing, actually, when someone sings your praises. Yeah, um, yeah we were so in tune with each other musical phrase so we have a lot of the, and there's loads loads more I've got a whole collection of them in a, in a document um, um, I can't think of any others now but there are loads of them and so we have this like music sound mm. voice type kind of subconscious way of communicating whether it's you know to lift somebody up or to shut them down yeah. and so it's you know I guess, you know, almost, I mean, I'd say the root of most people, of most of my clients' issues is, is coming from that, you know, being shut down around the voice self-expression, which causes a lot of problems. Yeah. You know, we don't feel that we can speak up, speak our truth to um, stand up, be seen and heard. And that will just be in a, in a general day-to-day communication with friends, relationships, family, work colleagues through to the deepest levels of self-expression and creativity. Um, and so that is, I'd say one of my soul's purposes is mm. to, is to support people. And I'm very careful to use the word support rather than help. I don't like the word help, um, to support people, to unveil their voice Really interesting, when we say the word creative voice, we're not just talking about the physical voice, we're talking about a a, a greater meaning. You know, when Mm -hmm. people say, oh, I'm I'm trying to find my creative voice. Often it's not actually to the physical sounding voice, it's to do with who they are as a person. So that's another interesting little kind of connection there between voice and creativity and Mm self-expression. So, yeah, it's really kind of supporting people to unveil their voice so they can express themselves more fully, completely and deeply, not just in their everyday interactions, but in a deeper, more profound sense, you know, in their in their lives. And my skill is music and sound, so I, I use that to kind yeah. of do that with. But there are many ways that you can um, unveil your voice. You can do chakra work, you can do um, past life healing, you can, you know, meditation for some people, like you know choose your juice like you know figure out what works for you yeah and what kind kinds of people do you tend to work with what why do people come to you so i you know it's really interesting because again you know you're taught oh you've got to niche who's the specific client avatar that you work (laughs) with that really stresses me out because i'm like this is for everyone but i know that that doesn't kind of convert well to marketing but 
I've worked with a lot of musicians, a lot of creatives, a lot of performers, a lot of artists who feel stunted, who feel like all they're trying to do is to, to, to get it right. And all they're trying to do is not feel crap about themselves. Mm. <laughs> like when that's the focus of your life, oh, something went wrong. We've got to put that right. Because if the focus of your life is just trying not to feel shit about what you do mm. and who you are, it's just a life of misery. Mm. And you think about what a performer does. They're not just a performer. They're a healer. They're a change maker. They're an inspiration. Like think about the gigs and the concerts and the musicals and the plays and the films and the art that you've seen that has transformed you in some way. Yeah. If the person who created that is feeling bad about themselves, that is so unfair. Like if you're somebody that inspires another person through the art that you create whether that's dance, music, performance, drawing, painting, if you feel bad about yourself and other people feel good about themselves because of your work, that is not right. That is unfair. So I guess part of my mission is is that those people feel fantastic about themselves because, because there is an old paradigm that is still really alive that to be a great artist, you have to suffer. Mm. And Elizabeth Gilbert is, is one of my um, yes. inspirations around this. Her whole book, Big Magic, is about this. Yeah. That no, like no, like yes, some of your creativity may come from painful experiences that you've had. That's a whole different thing. That's, that's allowed. That's okay. But to <clears throat> live a life of suffering in order to believe that you have weight or merit as, a, as an artist, like no. and and you don't need to be poor you don't need to be sick you don't need to suffer to 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 be a great artist in fact i think it's quite the opposite um and so yeah i've worked with a lot of creatives but you know one of the most miraculous most profound sessions i ever did with somebody was was a woman that i met in a dry cleaners she had no experience, no reference for uh, performance or creativity. She had lived in Hackney as a working class woman for most of her life. And I met her in a dry cleaners and she spoke in this tiny, tiny, barely audible little whisper. Kind of like this. Like she just spoke like this. She couldn't speak. I don't know if you could hear that, but yeah. this hoarse little whisper. And me being me, you can probably tell by now, listeners, I was like, what's the matter with your voice? What's going on? Why, why can't you speak? And she looked at me and she, she took me in. She scanned me for a moment and then she told me. And I later on discovered that she had stopped telling the story of why she couldn't speak, but she felt there was something in me that she mm. should tell me. Anyway, cut long story short, she had had a trauma, a really traumatic life, a whole life of being shut down, being told that it, she was to blame, it was her fault, you're not good enough. It culminated in this traumatic experience of having a car accident, which was not her fault at all. She at all, she was just you know, stationary in a car and this other car smashed into her. And in that moment she took the blame she made it her fault and something in her just went you know what gonna take your voice away now and she lost her voice in that moment and she wasn't able to speak for two years Mm. she had seen every specialist she'd been to harley street up and down the country speech and language therapists all past life healing all kinds of stuff nothing had brought her voice back 
And in that moment, I don't know what came over me because I'd never do this usually. I said, right, I'm going to get your voice back. Of course, you can't say that to somebody because you can never make that kind of promise. And I thought, Gary, what are you doing? You can't say that. But something in me just knew that that voice was coming back. Um, And anyway, brought her in for a session. And within 45 minutes, her voice was back to absolute full Mm. clarity and power. We did a bit of hypnosis, we did a bit of memory regression, blah, 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 blah. And all I said to her, Ed, again, I listened to that intuition. All I said to her was, I just want you to say everything that you've never said. <laughs> I, just, I just said, say everything you've never said. Well, she started using swear words that I never knew existed. <laughs> she, I won't say them now, because I think it's too much even for a podcast where you can pretty much say anything. <laughs> But she started this, like, a volcano of a, this eruption yeah, exactly. came out of her. And just, I just held the space. I witnessed it. It was amazing. And all of a sudden, her voice burst from her. In, and her voice was back. And she didn't even know it. She didn't even feel it in that moment. I was like, Marie, your voice is back. Um, and she was like i'm calling her marie that's not her name it's another name i'll just use that name for i always use the name marie because i don't use my clients names i was like marie it's back it's back um and she was like what are you talking about don't be so effing stupid i was like no your voice is back and she was like my voice my voice oh my god my voice my voice she's like i've got a voice i've got a voice it was the most miraculous experience. And that is just somebody I met out and about. Yeah. She wasn't, in quotes, a creative person or a performer. I was just supposed to support her. And, you know, subsequently I supported her through various other sessions. And, you know, because that is a big opening. It's a big healing. So there needs to be a lot of support and kind of grounding and integrating that comes with that. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a long way of saying anybody can benefit yeah. from 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 learning to express themselves more you yeah know? that's what i'm getting from this whole conversation is um self yeah self-expression you've said it anyone who who wants to express themselves more wants to allow that flow of expression through them yeah how to liberate your self-expression i think i found the title for the podcast thank you <laughs> Oh, amazing. There we go. There we go. Moment of inspiration. Exactly. But, so um, just yeah. before we close in, maybe, maybe first uh, I'll ask you if there's anything else you want to add. And then second, you can share how people can get in touch with you and look in more about what you do. And I'll post the links as well around somewhere around the podcast so people can get access. But just uh, if you want to share that, that would be great. I'd just like to end with that self-expression and using your voice, not just your physical voice, but the voice of who you are is such a privilege and an honor to be able to do that, not only for yourself in your own world, just for you, but for others. It's so inspiring when you witness somebody who has mastered the art of self-expression, who's, who's able to say what they think and feel with passion and integrity and honesty and confidence. And 
if, if you're listening and it's something that you struggle with, first of all, pray, put the intention out there to to open that up within you and then seek somebody who can support you to do that whether that's me or somebody else or whatever way you want to do it start now because it, it's it's such a such an integral profound and important part of of being a person of being a human is is to express yourself mm. and so i want to encourage you to to go for it and to take those first steps or continue the steps if you've already started and just to let you know that it's an ongoing lifelong journey you don't just suddenly like get it and it's not just done it's it's an ongoing journey until until we leave this earthly plane so that's just what i want to leave you with and what was the second question uh how can people get in touch with you oh so on instagram which is where i'm most active i'm gary music alchemist that's gary with one r gary music alchemist and then my website you can go to somaticsingingtherapy.com or garyalberthughes.com right perfect and i'll share both around the podcast so people can can easily click the links and get access to your work thank you gary that was really beautiful and so nice to reconnect with you in this way (laughs) thank you for letting me just just press get on my soapbox (laughs) because these this this all of this just tumbles out of me and you know Sometimes I, sometimes I do think, you know, I'm, you know, I'm working on myself. Sometimes I do think, oh God, am I like rabbiting on, but I can't help it. And it's just who I am. So some people will resonate and some people won't. And that's okay. Yes. And I was very drawn in by your words and I'm sure many, many people will do as well. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.